0: First, let's focus on the present political landscape as a provincial election is scheduled for October of 2024. So just under a year away. Well, Abacus Data conducted a survey of 1,000 British Columbians from November 22nd uh, to the 28th. And the findings are causing a bit of a political earthquake here in British Columbia. According to the survey, the BCNDP has the support of 44% of committed voters, a four point drop from its 2020, elect, 2020 election. Uh, the BC Conservatives are second with 26%, um, followed by the official opposition, BC United, at 17%. Now, compared with the 2020 provincial election, the BC Conservatives are led uh, by John Rustad and get this, are up. 24 points while bc united which of course is previously known as the bc liberal party is down 17 points bc greens are at nine percent down six points since the election well joining me now to talk a little bit about uh, this survey is david caletto ceo of abacus research david thank you for joining us my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, I saw a bit of your data uh, yesterday, uh, which you had tweeted out—a hint of uh, what would be released today. I got to tell you, you, you set off a bit of a political earthquake here in BC.
1: Well, I think anytime you see such such stark numbers, and, and I'll just say that you know the top line numbers when we ask people how they vote—if there was a provincial election—we've got you know the BC NDP at 44, the Conservatives at 26, and BC United at 17. And I think it's that BC United and number that, that really stands out, right, Whereas the official opposition, the, BC, the former BC Liberals, um, they're down 17 points from where they were in the last provincial election, and you've got the Conservatives who leapfropped them. And we, we're not the first survey to show this, but I think it, it's another data point that, that validates and confirms both Previous polling and the results of, of those by elections a few months ago, and shows that, that you know Kevin Falcon's in, in deep trouble. John Rustad is, is making some some headway, but that David Eby is is in the driver's seat right now with with a big province wide lead.
0: What's causing this uh, in your mind?
1: Well, I think uh, on the one hand, I think you know far more people, or at least more people, say they approve of the job that that David Eby and his government is doing than disapprove, and you know, when I look at what's going on at the national level or I look at different uh, other provinces, that's that's actually kind of rare these days to have a provincial government or any government in which more people approve or disapprove. So I think that helps explain how uh, why the, the NDP is holding their support and has only seen a small drop since the provincial election. What's going on with the opposition parties, I think, is far more complicated to, to answer. I, I think on the one hand, I think it's fair to say that you know, the, the rebranding effort uh, that the B.C. liberals undertook to change their name. Um, you know, Kevin Falcon's first kind of uh, time as leader hasn't gone well. But I also think to some extent this could be what's going on with the B.C. conservatives is, is somewhat of a halo effect, perhaps, um, from, from the popularity and, and sort of the progress that the federal conservatives have made. Um, I think it's a mix of both, right? So, uh, you know, it's hard to exactly say what, what's going on, but I, I think the, the, the B.C. conservatives, the, the, you know, John being turfed from the B.C. United caucus and him becoming leader of the party created a bit of a spark that, that has put a lot of pressure on, on, on Kevin Falcon and his party and, and find themselves in, in some real trouble.
0: Now how much of this is a halo effect from Pierre Polyev's uh, economic message inflation message where there may be a lot of voters who don't feel po- follow politics very closely uh, and just sort of glom onto that message and you have numbers for mr. Rustad and the BC conservatives that are relatively high is it how much of that do you think plays a role in this
1: I think there's some I think there's some effect uh, you know we see we see I think you know in Ontario where I'm where I live and we've done lots of polling here I think the strength of the federal conservative brand has helped Doug Ford, the the conservative premier here in Ontario. I think it's having the same effect in BC. But I also, you know, what what we also know is that inflation often hurts incumbent governments, and there at least right now doesn't appear to be a lot of evidence that that David Eby and his government is really is really being harmed by the fact that that the cost of living is the number one issue in British Columbia, housing's the top issue, and yet. That government's popularity has held pretty steady, so I think it's a mix of that. I, I think it's not hurting the incumbents, but it's probably giving some lift to the BC Conservatives, who might be able to to, to be a little bit more edgy and, um, and 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 clear in terms of what it would promise to do to help alleviate people's cost of living concerns.
0: Yeah, they've they've almost, uh, from what I can see, you know, glommed onto more of a um, uh, uh, People's Party messages bringing up issues of social conservatism, uh, SOGI in schools, uh, challenging mm. um, uh, the issue of climate change, advocating certainly the elimination of the carbon tax, uh, the firing of our provincial health officer over uh, vaccines and the conversation around vaccines and healthcare workers. Uh, it's m- almost like it's not even a conservative message. It's more of a People's Party message. Um, moving forward, though, can this message sustain itself? Some would say, look, the, the, there's economic frustration out there. I think you referred to it on the federal level as inflationitis. Can this mm-hmm. anger and frustration sustain itself? Because our election is scheduled for October of 2024 at this particular point. Does that anger and frustration with the public sustain itself and continue?
1: Well, I think it can. I, You know, I, I always try to think of what, what would alleviate that pressure. Um, and I think the the answer is either, you know, inflation stays low or gets close to, to two to one percent interest rates need to start to come down people need to feel that there's hope right and that that the worst is behind them but i i've seen data that suggests people don't believe that yet That the perception is that that things are still going to be tough for, for some time so that suggests that between now and that next provincial election just under a year from now that that we are probably going to be in an environment where people are feeling anxious about the state of the world Um, very feeling vulnerable about their standard of living, about, you know, the the security of their their housing and their ability to kind of make do. And so I think, you know, B.C. is headed toward uh, an election environment where these are the issues that are going to probably dominate. And that, to your point, is is a risk for the for the NDP, although they they don't appear to be um, being hurt by it yet. But also a real opportunity for for the BC Conservatives who we pointed to have really taken this kind of populist, um, you know, uh, aggressive stand that that is finding some appeal among among some British Columbians.
0: Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we're speaking to David Coletto, founder, chair, and CEO of Abacus Data. Uh, his organization uh, conducted a survey of 1,000 British Columbians between November 22nd and 28th. Uh, and it's causing a bit of a political stir, actually a big political stir, because of the numbers. The NDP has the support of 44% of committed voters. That's a four-point drop from the 2020 election. With those numbers, uh, they're still guaranteed a majority government. And a reminder to all of you listening out there, Premier David Eby will be joining us here in studio at 4 o'clock. Now, what's really interesting of this poll, about this poll is that the BC Conservatives are second with 26%, followed by the official opposition, BC United, at 17%. Now, since the last election, that's a 24-point uh, 24 point jump, by the way, for the BC Conservatives. So, at 26% right now, a 24-point jump, and BC United is down 17 points uh, from that 2020 um, uh, election. The BC Greens are at 9%, down 6 points since the 2020 election. Now, uh, David, uh, let's get to some of the uh, core issues when it comes to concerns people have. The number one issue based on your survey for people uh, is the is the fact that people are concerned about rising costs on, live on when it comes to living standards and inflation. Uh, inflation and affordability is the number one issue. When you have issues with housing as well, there seems to be a younger generation quite interested in the conservative message, something you probably wouldn't have seen 10 or 15 years ago. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, if if you had told me, Jazz, you know, like seven, eight months ago, that the federal Conservative Party would have a double digit lead among those under thirty, and that the BC Conservatives would be more popular among younger British Columbians than older ones, I would have said that's that's crazy. You know, do another survey. The data's the data's wrong. But we have seen consistently uh, at the federal level that that, that Pierre Poilievre is finding an audience among younger voters, and that I think in BC. That, that might be happening as well. And why is that, right? When you look mm-hmm. at those two cohorts, those, they under 40, um, the, the under 30 and then the 30 to 44-year-olds, they are facing um, an economic environment. And it's, it's it's primarily about housing and insecurity about housing, whether they are renters now and want to own and how hard that is in their mind that it's never going to happen, whether they're renters and, okay, they've given up on owning a home, but now they're worried that, if they need a larger place or they've got to move or they uh, there's a risk of being evicted that they're not going to be able to afford that next apartment or that next house if they're renting is a real It's creating anger. It's really creating a deep resentment. And I think again, conservative politicians uh, at all levels are, are feeling that and are tapping into that, that anxiety and offering up at least, you know, whether there's, you can argue whether their policy, are even there or whether the policies are going to make any difference, they're tapping into that, that, that frustration, right. And to to some that anger and it's being channeled into kind of a populist, uh, reaction and Canada and BC aren't alone. We're seeing that in the United States where, you know, young people who overwhelmingly voted for Joe Biden three years ago, are signaling in the polling that they're looking at the Republicans now because they've given up on on you know the Democrats' ability to deliver some of these things for them. It's so when people are feeling anxious mm-hmm. uh, and, and very worried, and younger people I think are in the worst kind of place right now, they're looking for, for a complete change, of course.
0: And I don't want to go as far as to say they want to throw a whole wrench in the system, but at its core, one would argue that argument says the game is either fixed or culturally or generationally we're getting the wrong end of the stick here. Unlike you boomers yeah. and probably some of you Gen Xers, we, we've played by the rules and we're not getting any further ahead and it's not working. So something's wrong. So it, there is a, not a desperation, but certainly I can see the anger that is there.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I've noticed in a lot of the research we're doing that, that the, the, the prevailing mindset of people generally, but particularly of young people is one of scarcity, right? The things that perhaps in the past, most of us were able to take for granted is not the case anymore. So rising food prices, rousing housing prices, energy prices on the rise, and increasing, because we're likely headed to a recession, insecurity about their jobs and their ability to, to make an income um, creates what some have described as zero-sum thinking. You described it, right? So that if I'm losing, it means somebody else is winning, and I've got to fight for, for, for whatever scraps are left. And so it's creating a real, I think, a lot of friction in, in the, the electorate that – often it plays itself out in our politics and you know for a long time Canada thought Canadians thought we were immune to these kind of forces that we couldn't see rising resistance to immigration we're seeing that we just released a survey last week that showed you know close to 70 percent of Canadians think immigration targets the federal government has set are too high and it doubled in the course of eight months mm-hmm. all of this is related to that sense of scarcity and so it, it creates volatile political behavior and I think BC is going to be a a really interesting case for the rest of the country because you've got a provincial election coming up in in just under a year.
0: Well, uh, I enjoyed reading your survey. I was expecting a quiet Sunday, then my phone blew up after you (laughs) tweeted out uh, your early data, and more of your data is available now at Abacus Data uh, in regards to the survey you did here uh, in British Columbia. David, as always, thank you for your time.
1: My pleasure. Have Have a good evening.